Welcome back to Propel, Allen and Overy's podcast addressing all things related to self-driving vehicles. I'm Paul Keller, your host, and have the great pleasure of welcoming our guest, Sid Venkatesen, the Chief Legal Officer of Embark. Embark went public on the DASDAQ last month under the symbol EMBK at a $5 billion valuation and is the longest-running self-driving truck program in America. It is working to make the $700 billion trucking industry safer, more sustainable, and more efficient with self-driving software that can power any fleet. By concentrating exclusively on the software and associated services, Embark collaborates rather than competes with carriers, truck manufacturers, and tier one suppliers. Serving as Embark's CLO, Sid brings nearly two decades of legal and business experience in the technology and industrial space to Embark. In addition to on-the-ground software development experience, Sid was the COO of Comline Sanderson, a manufacturer of capital equipment and process solutions for industrial firms. He also served as executive counsel and chief IP counsel at GE Digital and a litigation partner at Aura Carrington and Sutcliffe. Sid holds an MBA from the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania, a JD from NYU School of Law, and a BS in Mechanical and Aerospace Engineering from Cornell University, concentrating in automotive engineering. Very impressive, Sid. Thank you for joining the program. Paul, thank you for having me. And uh, I'm always happy to talk to a fellow IP litigator, which was my practice when I was at Oric. Well, as you probably know, for a lot of this program, when we talk about self-driving vehicles, it's passenger cars that are usually the focus of who's involved. But Embark, of course, is focused exclusively on self-driving trucking. Can you tell us more about that focus, the history of the company, and frankly, how going public has changed things? Sure. One of the things that we think is differentiating about Embark is our sole focus on the trucking market, um, specifically long-haul trucking and specifically in the United States. It starts from our, really from the background of our founder, Alex Rodriguez, who is a robotics champion as, as a young teenager and for a number of years really focused on competitive robotics and solving problems in the most efficient way possible, as opposed to uh, looking at sort of autonomous autonomy as an academic exercise. And he took that focus for the initial concept for autonomous vehicles with our co-founder, Brandon, which was an autonomously driven golf cart um, in Canada, which they called Marvin. They looked at various applications for autonomous. And after looking through several iterations of the business plan, working through Y Combinator, uh, they landed on the trucking industry in the US. It's a very, as we'll get into later on, it's a very appealing market for autonomous technology. We think there are a lot of ESG benefits to adopting the technology. And that's why they identify trucking at a very early stage. And that's been our sole focus. We haven't looked at robo-taxis or, or variations, local driving. It's really been long-haul trucking in the United States, which we think is very differentiating. Well, that's great. You've actually touched on a few issues that I'd like to discuss in more detail with you in this program. But I do know, uh, and I think our listeners know, that there are a few other self-driving truck companies out there, uh, Gaddick, too, um, too Simple, I think there's Aurora Innovations, uh, just to name a, a few. How are your offerings different? How would you compare yourselves to them? There are a couple things. The first is, as I mentioned, we focus on long haul trucking and primarily class eight semi-trucks, um, large 18 wheelers you would see on the road with big trailers, um, as opposed to, you know, local delivery or, you know, other platforms. We really focus on that platform 
and the long haul route. And what I mean by that is that the, the commercial model that we anticipate is that a human driver would pick up a load from a destination, drop it off to a transfer point near a highway. Um, the autonomously driven Embark uh, enabled truck would go from one transfer point to another transfer point, doing the highway miles, drop off the load for local driving by a human driver. So it's really that focus on the highway driving and long haul that's one differentiator. The other differentiator is the fact that we very early on focused on the idea that our core competency is technology development. And that's specifically the software for autonomous driving, as well as the connecting hardware to let the software talk to various types of trucks. We wanted to have an enabling technology for any of the four major trucking platforms to have autonomous driving. And the reason why that became our focus so early is we looked at how the existing shippers and carriers buy their trucks. They like to have choice. They like to customize their trucks for their needs and to focus on building a truck, which is what some of our other competitors are doing to really have a deep relationship with one truck platform, as opposed to enabling all four truck platforms, um, we think takes away choice and potentially puts those companies in conflict with the carriers, maybe taking them into the delivery business as well as the truck building business. Um, the delivery business and the truck building business, are, those are complex businesses that are different from technology development. We want to focus on technology development, providing choice. Well, that makes some sense. I've seen in some of your materials um, about that collaboration rather than competition. I can see the argument you're making there on why that may work uh, for more companies than others. Let's pivot a little bit. I myself has suffered through this supply chain crisis uh, that we're having and getting ready for talking with you today. Um, you know, thought about how technology like yours might be able to address that. And some people see a, maybe autonomous trucking will lead to more trucks and make things worse. Um, but others believe it can help address the situation. Uh, what's your view? Can your technology help us with these supply chain problems uh, in a new, different way, make things better, or should we expect something else? We really believe uh, that it'll make things better. First of all, as a parent near Christmas time, the supply chain issues are top of mind for every parent who is buying presents for their children. Um, so <laughs> I understand I'm living that concern right now. <laughs> yes. Um, with respect to the supply chain problem generally, there are multiple causes of it, and autonomous isn't a silver bullet for all of them. But a significant issue arises from the shortage of drivers, um, which has been estimated to be at an all-time high, 80,000 drivers short based on the current demand. And due to the growth of demand for freight using e-commerce, due to e-commerce growing as just a segment of retail generally, um, that shortage is estimated to double within 10 years, less than 10 years. So there's a significant shortage that just comes from the availability of labor. And it's not an easy shortage to fix. It's a demanding job. Long haul driving in particular requires a driver to be away from home, probably a vast majority of, of the year at a time. You need to be highly qualified. You need to have a CDL and a sterling safety record. So you can't easily just fix the supply chain crisis by getting more drivers. So we really think there's an opportunity for autonomous to uh, improve the resilience of our supply chain specifically by making long haul freight more available than it is. And then we, we think it'll make things better. The thesis that we have and we strongly believe in is that we can run trucks uh, more efficiently, adhering to speed limits and just optimizing operations as well as safely, which is a core tenant of our company. So we think that this is a very socially beneficial technology. And it's part of the reason Embark was very attractive to me coming from sort of another industry. Well, best of luck, I do know that some of the regulatory requirements for a driver, if you drive for a particular period of time, 
if it's a relatively short period of time, you can get back in your truck, keep going. But if you go over one of those limits, you have to many places then be kind of off the job for a day or so or some for some period of time, which uh, of course your technologies won't have those uh, kind of restrictions. If we could pivot a bit to your partnerships, one is with Luminar Technologies, and I know they're equipping your vehicles with long range uh, LIDAR sensors. Now we've done a, a program focusing on LIDAR, but not really long range. And so if you could walk us through what that kind of means for you, uh, maybe a little bit more about the partnership and how it changes your product offering, I think that'd be great. Sure. Just as some background uh, for the viewers who may have missed the previous podcast, LIDAR sounds the same as radar just because it is the detection technology, but rather than using radio waves, which are quite long, um, it uses light waves, laser, shorthand uh, reference, but you know, it uses, it uses light waves to detect features around the road. So because the wavelengths are short, LIDAR provides a way to really accurately detect features in three-dimensional objects. So you can use LIDAR technology to augment existing cameras and radar technology to really visualize the surrounding environment. And we think having, you know, multiple different modes of detection technology really helps letting the trucks understand the roads around them to drive, you know, safely and well. So specifically with Luminar and long range, the technology team has evaluated a number of different LIDAR options on the market. You know, we believe our technology works very well with the Luminar solution and that having long range LIDAR is a definite advantage to allow the vehicle to look far ahead, not rely on maps, which we can talk about more perhaps later, but really, you know, have a, a very solid view of the road around it and not be limited to, you know, sort of the shortcomings you might have just relying on radar. For example, you can evaluate sort of the depth of a snowbank, perhaps using LIDAR, um, which you won't be able to necessarily do using cameras. So it provides a way for us to feel comfortable in what the truck is detecting and sort of informing the autonomous driving brain. Another partnership I understand you have is with, um, or at least a relationship is with DHL. And of course, the, the minute you hear about them, you can imagine the trucking requirements they may have. So can you tell us about that relationship? Sure. DHL is a member of our partner development program, what we call PDP. Um, the PDP members are large shippers and carriers we've established an early relationship with to really delve deep into their operations and help sort of develop mutually a case and implementation rollout for autonomy in their fleets. These companies like DHL have very significant fleets and complex operations. So you really have to deploy autonomy in a way that makes sense and it takes time. So DHL is one of our early PDP members and thus far um, it's been a very productive relationship. They're actually one of our early reservation holders for Embark Technology Trucks. We announced probably about a month ago that we had received 14,200 reservations um, through our reservation program. These sort of reflect the the dialogue we've had with our PDP members to date, including DHL. That's great. There's a perception that, well, if you have a self-driving truck, you know, here's the pickup spot, uh, here's what you're carrying, um, and here's where you're going. With, with DHL, I know from your publicly available materials that there's been a rather thorough network analysis that has been done uh, with that for planning the kind of those key factors to deployment. Can you share with us a little bit more about, you know, what that means and what that's about? So you have a sense of what analyses you've had to do to make this work for some of your partners like DHL. Sure. The PDP sort of process and the network analysis we do, it involves looking at multiple factors um, related to each partner's individual and, and highly 
you know, personalized to that partner's distribution network. Now, you, you mentioned, for example, the federal hours of service limit of 11 hours. A driver, a truck driver can generally, absent certain exceptions, limited exceptions, drive 11 hours a day. That's a federal rule. So there may be instances, for example, where DHL may have a route or lane in a particular area for something that would benefit from a 15-hour delivery being done in a single day. Identifying insights like that are things that come out of the network analysis where you look at the lane level data, you look at the region of operation, you look at how frequently a carrier may run a particular route, like maybe, you know, a route through Texas, maybe a, a very heavily subscribed to route. And that you use all that information together to prioritize um, the areas where autonomy makes the most sense. And that I think for the carriers, it does a couple of things. First of all, it helps them assure themselves that this is a very um, good investment that they can apply in an intelligent way. And I think it also just helps them and us uh, get confidence in one another as partners and as you know future collaborators in rolling out this technology. Um, as part of your technology offering, I've heard about the Embark driver um, and its use of Vision Map Fusion or VMF. Can you tell us about that? Sure, just as some background on the Embark technology. So we have the driver, which is the autonomous driving software. And then we have something called Embark Universal Interface, which is the connecting technology that's used to allow the driver to work with the various types of trucks that are sold, whether it's you know, Daimler or Volvo or Navistar, whatever the truck platform is, the, the connective tissue is the Embark Universal Interface. So those are the two main parts of the driving sort of technology suite. With respect to Vision Map Fusion, this is a technology that we're very proud of. Um, we filed patents on it and we believe uh, it's differentiating because it allows us to get away from what we view as a brittle approach to relying on high definition maps. So if you have a truck that's relying on a map and it identifies something on the road that's not reflected in the map, maybe the lane lines have been repainted or maybe there's been a, a lane closure for whatever reason, relying just on the map puts a truck in a position to have to go into a failure condition to pull off on the side of the road or do whatever it needs to do um, if it's being controlled by autonomous because it's relying on the map. Vision Map Fusion is a way to provide the truck the tools to update the world it sees um, from the map data it may have. So if it identifies lane lines that are not where they should be, it can redraw its route based on what it sees and update the information that it's received from the map on the fly. So it doesn't have to enter into a failure condition, it can continue driving. And we think this really greatly improves the resiliency of our Embark driver technology. And we think it's differentiating from our competition. I guess that also highlights the difference you were mentioning earlier about the pre-map environments and pre-mapped approaches versus your VMF approach. Does your system, if a truck experiences something new on the road, is it a system where that information gets sent to the fleet generally or to your systems generally, or is it kind of all housed within the vehicle and the next one will learn whatever changes happened on its route? Yeah, I don't want to get into the, the specific details of sort of how the technology will update itself, but in general, yes, the things the truck learns will be used to improve the technology. And that's why today a lot of our learning is on-road involving embarked trucks that are be driving on the highway today with safety drivers, but a, a lot of that is to train the algorithm to know how to respond to new things it may see on the road in the future. Um, well, sticking to your technology for a second, I've heard of nonlinear optimization techniques uh, for updating those maps um, in real time. Can, can you talk to us about that? I'll talk about that at a general level. As a lawyer talking about technology, I don't want to do too much violence to the subject. Uh, as I mentioned, Vision Map Fusion is the world. And the world uh, may change in a way that's not that you don't 
it may have to make predictions about how the world is changing. Maybe the radius of a turn it's on is changing more sharply than what the map would reflect. And that change may not be linear. The truck won't won't rely on a simple linear sort of interpolation of the route it should take based on how the world is changing. It'll use a more complex nonlinear optimization to remap the world so the truck can drive. It sort of gives one a sense of how much effort goes into the details to make this technology right. Those are the things that we think that our five years and counting a focus specifically on trucks really gives us a leg up on. That's actually a very helpful uh, example of what you're talking about. So thank you for that. Let's talk about sustainability. Autonomous trucks, uh, more efficient than traditional human operated trucks, uh, similar or the same. I, I would guess they're, they're more efficient, but what do you think? They're more efficient because we know the speed limits and we know how fast the truck is going. And particularly with these large trucks, which have, you know, very significant aerodynamic drag, um, the faster they go, the, the more drag there is and the worse it is for fuel economy. So by, by being able to closely adhere to the posted speed limits and do that reliably without sort of the pressures that a human may feel to get to a certain point in his or her 11 hours or whatever, um, we think that there will be a very substantial fuel savings um, when you think about the fact the freight market is a $700 billion market today in the United States. If you think about the number of trucks on the road, that is, which is a lot, um, being able to manage fuel efficiency just through driving is going to have enormous impact. The other thing that we think is interesting, and this is something that we've we've looked through through an announced project we're doing with HP, is that the transfer point model by segmenting the different parts of the route, it allows a carrier to, for example, or a shipper to, for example, look at short haul electrification. Um, an electric truck may not be able to run a long haul route across the country, but it could run the short route, the short haul route. So you can optimize electrification for the local routes and then have sort of the most fuel efficient gas driven long haul route that's possible given the speed limits using autonomy. So we think that there is a very significant ESG return on investment here. You talked about the sustainability. You've talked about supply chain issues. Um, you've talked about electrification of some of these vehicles. Your nonlinear optimization techniques. It very much sounds like there's a sea change uh, going on with regard to self-driving technologies that's different than the, the self-driving personal vehicle approach. Do you think we're going to see a lot more in the trucking industry before we see it in the personal vehicles, or are they in parallel? What's your view? Uh, certainly the development will be in parallel. We think commercialization, uh, trucking will be the leading edge and by quite a bit. Actually, the business case is very clear. The number of customers is quite limited versus, you know, end customers who buy cars. Um, so it's easier to engage with the large carriers, you know, at the same time or in a relatively short fashion. And for them, they have the very significant problem of a driver shortage, which is just a problem that they need to have now. Though we believe adoption will be rapid. And we think it makes a lot of sense and has a lot of ESG benefits. I do want to stress that one thing that we care a lot about and one thing that we've looked about is the impact of this technology on jobs. And we think it's quite clear, actually, that our technology will be rolled out quite rapidly, but in a way that coexists with the existing drivers who are employed today. And we think there's a net benefit economically from adopting this technology by reducing the cost of delivery, 
can stimulate consumption, create other forms of jobs around autonomous driving. We think there are a lot of benefits. There have been several studies on this topic. Department of Transportation, I believe, um, commissioned a study finding that there's roughly $203 per worker benefit um, from adopting autonomous vehicle technology. But we don't think it comes at the expense of long-haul jobs. We think that new jobs will be created and the existing jobs will be able to be managed. So I want to say that that's very important to the company that we have been thoughtful about this and for people to know that. But with respect to your, your question, yes, this is a leading edge. We strongly believe it. Um, we think adoption will be quite rapid. And uh, while cars are very interesting as well, it's a much harder problem to solve. And there are just other nuances to that problem that, that we think aren't roadblocks for what we're doing. Sid, thanks for all of that. Uh, the overview that you provided and frankly, some of the deep dives even on, on your technology and the priorities of your company. That's all very interesting. Appreciate you taking the time walking us through all that. It'd be great to catch up with you maybe in a year's time to see how things are going and how things are progressing, um, but really appreciate it. And thanks for joining the program. Thanks, Paul. I really enjoyed the conversation.